Magic Numbers. This is episode number 55 on how to become the hero of Dominaria because this weekend we're going to play the Arena Open which is going to be in Dominaria sealed. Every single portion of it is going to be sealed. Every single portion of it is going to be Dominaria. You heard me right. Dominaria, not Dominaria United. We're going back four years uh, to the set um, that was the last visit to the Dominaria plane that we had before Dominaria United. Uh, but before we go into it, um, I would like to thank mtgazone.com for sponsoring uh, my uh, seminars. Uh, I'm going to put out an article about um, Dominaria Sealed as well. Um, uh, and hopefully tomorrow it's going to be on uh, MTGA Zone. There is already a very good uh, article about the sealed format um, of Dominaria from uh, J2S Josh. Uh, so uh, please, by all means, go and visit, do some clicks, um, especially on my articles, because if I get clicks on my articles, they will think I'm actually useful. Unbuzzle them if you please. Um, but okay, let's go back to the uh, main topic. Um, as I said, we're going to talk about Dominaria and this is the set that is slightly different from uh, the sets that we normally talk about because there is not so much data on it on uh, 17 lands. You have to keep in mind that when uh, Dominaria was first released, plain viewed, um, on mtgazone.com, there are a couple of articles. Um, um, one one from me will be released tomorrow, and uh, there is one from J2S Josh, and it's a basically a short primer on the Dominaria sealed uh, format. Um, my article is going to be loosely related to what we're going to talk uh, about during this seminar. So uh, if you're interested in Dominaria sealed, you don't have to go anywhere just yet. But on mtgazone.com, you will find articles from uh, from me and from J2S Josh and from a couple of other people that deal with limited. I do the data part. Josh does the punditry. And there's a couple of other people that contribute on occasions uh, from the Draft Lab uh, um, podcast. Right. So let's dive into it. But before, um, I always start with a preamble to my podcast. And uh, this one is back to square one for me because... I started playing Magic in 5th edition Weatherlight and I played for several years until 2005-2006 um, when I finally retired. I thought forever, but uh, life had different plans for me. And then some years later, uh, 13 years later to be precise, um, I sort of started slowly to think about Magic a bit more frequently than in the previous time. And um, I downloaded a couple of those apps that there were on the phone um, where you could play some kind of a poor man's version of Magic. I think that they were the trial runs for Arena. And then I saw that there was a possibility of getting on the, on the beta test for Arena. And I did it. I got invited to it. I downloaded Arena. I started playing. And three days later, I was hooked. And three days after that, I decided, well, you know what? I'm playing on Arena already. I'm technically a Magic player again. Why shouldn't I go to um, to a paper event? And I discovered that there is an LGS in the place I live, which was a bit of a surprise to me because I live in a pretty small place. Uh, but actually, there was a there was an LGS, so I went there. There was a pre-release. I played in that pre-release. Humble brag, won it, and 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 here I am, uh, four years later, uh, creating content about Magic: The Gathering. So, uh, uh, do I need to mention that the pre-release was for Dominaria? I don't think so. Um, so the set, I have a nostalgic view of it. I don't remember much from the times when I played it first time. I remember much more when I reanalyzed it a couple of years later when I started playing on actual uh, decent level. I do remember that um, in my pre-release, I was continuously afraid of mana burn. I uh, notoriously put, tried to put damage on stack and to the amusement of my um, uh, fellow players. Also, um, when someone told me, is it, I had no idea what they're talking about. Um, so yeah, it was uh, rusty beginnings. Now I know all the is it's and Boroses. I know my junt from my Jess guy. Um, I managed to get uh, bridge those gaps that were created by 13 years of not playing. And I think that's going to be a sort of semi-nostalgic trip for me over this weekend to try to uh, spike the open yet again. Um, I had pretty mixed... Um, 
mixed um, affair with um, with opens. Um, one of them, I, I went to the day two twice. Once I lost the second game and it was not fun. And the second time I forgot to log in uh, in time to subscribe for the second day. So uh, technically I was undefeated in that open, but uh, alas, uh, with no prizes. So maybe this weekend, it looks like the weather is going to be awful. I'm going to sit down and try to um, try to actually spike it. Um, but yes, I am going to uh, find it uh, a bit nostalgic to go back to the Dominaria, even though I think that the set is lacking and it's been overshadowed by the sets that followed it. And um, it's not as good as some people uh, try to make it to be. Still, we have to play it. And therefore, why not look into some data and see what, what makes it tick? So first of all, during Dominaria United, I said one, one, more than once that uh, it was a set different from anything else in the recent years because it was a set where all the color combinations and all the numbers of colors were pretty much playable. This is not the case in Dominaria. And I looked at the data that is available on uh, 17mes.com. Um, I looked at the percentage of decks uh, according to how many colors they play. Um, and in draft, it's predominantly a two-color set. Like 64% of the decks are straight two colors. Um, around 29% uh, on top of that are two colors with maybe some small splash. And splashes, according to 17 lens statistics, it's one to three cards of the particular color with some sources that allow to cast it. And like only 6% of the decks are three color and like 1% of the decks, maybe one and a half percent of the decks are three colors and splash. And there's like almost non-existent decks with four colors and five colors. In sealed, it looks slightly different, but it's probably not because the uh, multicolor decks are better, but it's because um, it's hard to build a two-color deck from the uh, from this set because one thing that is very typical of Dominaria is that there are a couple of good commons and they drop off very quickly. And if you don't get enough uncommons to fill your deck, uh, you won't make it on playables to make a straightforward two-color deck. Uh, but still 45 uh, decks managed to make two colors, uh, 36-37% of the decks are two colors and splash. Around 15% of the decks are three colors and 3% have three colors and a splash. But this points me to the conclusion that probably where you want to be in this format is having a two color deck, if it's possible. And maybe make, make a small, small splash um, of, a, of a third color. If you're just short on playables, you can put some of the power. How does it... Um, how does it relate to the uh, win rate? Um, and you can see with the same color scheme, so uh, so draft is blue and uh, sealed is red. Um, as you can see, the top win rates uh, for both uh, types of limited games uh, are in two color decks. 62% win rate on average for um, for the sealed. It has a very, very high win rate, by the way, the 17 men sealed users, mainly because probably these are people that uh, played Dominaria quite heavily and they came back and have a ma massive edge over, over people that didn't play. Um, and 57% win rate in, um, in, in draft. And it drops off after that. So um, in draft, especially, you see that it goes from 57 to 53 uh, in two colors and a splash to 51 in three color deck, 49 in three colors and splash. And then you have like very, very small sample sizes of the four color decks. So that shouldn't put too much worth in it, but there is a still a further drop. In sealed, it looks slightly better. You have 62% um, win rate of two color decks, around 60% win rate of two colors decks with a splash. And then you see slight drop off of 56, 60, 57, 55 of those three, three, four color decks. Um, so if you can, try building two color decks, um, but make sure that you can. Um, it's also interesting to maybe look uh, whether Dominaria is a prince or a pauper format. And I always thought about how can I measure if uh, something is a prince or a pauper. I decided to do it like this. I looked at the top 20 uh, rares and mythics and their game in hand win rates. And I looked at the top 20 commons in the format and uh, their game in hand win rate. Then I basically um, calculated it and, and, and calculated the difference between them. So obviously, hopefully at least, uh, rares will have a higher win rate than, uh, than the commons. Um, and the bigger the difference, the more princely the format will be. At least that's, that's how it works in my head. And I looked at the sets some, since Midnight Hunt uh, up, till, um, up till Dominaria United. And I also looked at Dominaria uh, original. That's based on draft data as well. Just keep that in mind. 
Um, and you can see that the Midnight Hunt was the least, well, was the most popular uh, set. The difference between top 20 rares and top 20 commons is only 4.1% game win rate. The most princely format was uh, Crimson Vow with a 7 percentage point difference between, uh, between the rares and the commons. Dominaria positions itself like on the upper level of the of the popery set, so not much different from Midnight Hunt, but still a bit different. Uh, the difference is slightly bigger, uh, but it's nowhere near the Crimson Vow level of, of princeliness. So this is a format when there is some uh, some uh, strong rares, but uh, but they shouldn't be um, atrocious. Um, then I decided also to look at the trophy decks and um, look at how the sealed deck, uh, trophy decks, uh, key for no, uncommons were not factored uh, at all in this. Uh, I didn't want to make an additional metric and introduce it here. I'm going to look at it at some stage, uh, how are uncommons uh, looking. And I know that uh, this particular set has at least three of those mythic uncommons that have an insane win rate. Uh, we're going to talk about it later. Um, so I looked at um, the difference between sealed and sealed between all the sealed decks and uh, sealed decks that trophied in this format. Um, and what is the difference? Because I was expecting that uh, since two color decks have slightly higher win rate, they will be a bit overrepresented in the trophy decks. So I looked at all the trophy decks from the uh, recent sealed run of Dominaria, and turns out that indeed it's true uh, when all the decks that are played in the sealed in this format are 45% of two-color decks. It's almost 53% of two-color decks in the trophy pool. Um, Two-colors and splash are close to each other, 37, 34%. Uh, but there is a big drop in uh, three-color decks. So 15% um, of three-color decks in total, but only 10% of, um, of trophy decks are three-color and not much different than three-color and splash. And this makes me think that indeed, you need to be lucky to get this two-color pool. Uh, otherwise, uh, if you need to build a proper three-color deck, so more than three cards of the um, of the third color, you are slightly disadvantaged, and 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 your chances for troughing are slightly smaller. So there will be some luck uh, factored into it. If you open a pool that allows you to build a streamlined two-color deck, you are in a much better position than um, in um, than if you have a three-color deck, and especially. Um, you have to think that probably in the later rounds of the Open, you will be likely to play two-color decks. And so think about that when you're building your um, three-color deck, because you're forced to. Um, what else? Um, I looked at the popularity of colors in the trophy decks. And um, um, I looked at the main color and as a color of a splash um, in, each, um, in each of the five colors. The most popular color played was uh, White, around 60% of, of the trophy decks had white in it as a main color. You can add additional 10% or so um, uh, of decks that have white as a splash, and you total at around 70% 70, 70 of the decks have white, which means white is pretty strong. Uh, then the second most popular color is um, black. Around 62% of the decks have black in some way or form. Um, third most popular color is blue, around 50, maybe 54% of the decks have, uh, have blue in some shape and form. Um, you, you see that um, the number of splash is proportional to the number of uh, main color play. So white is not only the most uh, played color as a main color, but it's also most splashed color. Uh, just a testament to the power of white cards in sealed format in this um, uh, in, in Dominaria. And the same goes with black. This is the second most popular color. And it's also the second most popular splashed color. And blue is the third most popular color and the third most popular splashed color. Um, fourth color is green. Uh, roughly 40, 43% of the decks have green. Here, notably, uh, green is not for splashing. Green is for playing as a main color. There's very few decks that splashed green uh, because there's not so many cards that are comfortable in splashing uh, in green. So. If you play green, probably you should go more more all in. And there is one color that is markedly behind everything else. That's red. Around twenty percent of the decks contain red as a main color. Maybe you add you know seven percent on top of that from the splashing, uh, which means that um, if you want a trophy, probably you want to avoid red. I will show you later that not always is the case, but uh, but a general rule of the thumb is look at your white, blue, and black and hope for the bombs in those colors. Uh, or, or, or maybe green um, uh, is also okay, but uh, red is markedly worse than, uh, than the other colors. You will see that when we look at the power of um, of the cards linked to that. Uh, Trezio, 
has a question, which is a good question, which is the reason why I'm going to highlight it for the YouTube people. Likelihood that uh, is red, that red is so low uh, because its success is predicated on very particular agro builds that are much harder and sealed. That's one point. And there's also a second point. Um, red was also the hallmark of um, red blue wizards tribal deck that you can draft, but you will very rarely get it in sealed. So um, I think off the top of my head, oh wait, why do we do it on top of my head, off the top of my head when I can do it off the top of my actual data? Um, but you will have to wait for a second before I find it. Um, yes, yes, there we go. So if we look at the data from, uh, from draft, clean up, clear up, is it? Okay, yeah. If we look at the data from draft, um, is it is around 25% of all the two-color decks in the format, 25%. So a quarter of two-color decks are is it. It's like huge overrepresentation. You have 10-color combinations, so you would expect 10% to, uh, to be the average number. Uh, if you look at the sealed, is it is 6.7% of the two-color decks. So it's basically unplayable in the sealed because you need to get a pool that has both the wizards and the spells that en 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 enable it, preferably with the uh, signpost uh, uncommon for it, um, Adeline. Is it Adeline? Ad well, whatever. Um, uh, what's the name of the guy? Um, you see, when the format is four years old, you might forget uh, the name of the um, Adelise, I think. Yeah, that's the one. That's the name. Um, so that's one of the main reasons why red is played less in um, uh, in, in sealed because the strongest color combination with red in, in in draft is absolutely not coming together in sealed. It will come together maybe once in the blue moon, but uh, but quite rarely. Um, okay, so that's that's for the question from Trezio. Um, okay, uh, so let's start. There are six bombs according to the sealed data from seventeen lands that are head and shoulders above anything else in the format. Um, and that's specifically Siege Gang Commander, Variks Blade Wing, uh, two red cards. I told you red is the weakest color. It does have the strongest bombs. Teferi Hero of Dominaria, which will be known to anyone that played any Constructed. Uh, it's still good and limited. It's, it's, it's absolutely uh, unbeatable uh, when you manage to defend it for a couple of turns because you just uh, overflow your opponents with, uh, with card value and you start, uh, you start getting closer to ultimating it uh, <clears throat> and there are other three bombs in Karn, Sion of Arza, another Planeswalker, uh, another thing that buries opponents in, in, in card advantage. Uh, Multani, Yavimaya's Avatar, which is a six mana reach trample with the power and toughness equal to the number of lands, uh, but also um, you can return to lands you control there to your, uh, to your hand and return from your graveyard to your hand, which means that at some stage um, opponent will have to deal with a massive creature every single time. The fact that it has trample uh, uh, makes sure that uh, they can't chump it. Um, if they don't, have, they don't have any exile uh, removal, uh, they are in, uh, in, in serious trouble. And uh, Lyra Dawnbringer, which is a five mana five five flying first strike lifeling and buffs your other angels, which I th don't think is a, anything that will matter in this format. But um, just the five five um, uh, with flying first strike and lifeling is going to win any kind of race uh, realistically. So these are the six bombs that you, if you open them in your pool, you should think hard how to make sure that you can squeeze them in your deck. Yes, you can buff a Sarah Angel. That's true. And yeah, Shalai is also an angel. Uh, so probably there are a couple of angels, but it's not like an, a, a massive, uh, a, a massive plus. It's still upside, but um, uh, but I think that uh, a five-five flyer lifelink would be probably enough. The first strike and um, and the angel buff are um, additional tech. Uh, are additional tech. Not not exactly trinket, but uh, but not the main qualities of the card. On top of that, there are three mythic uncommons, and these are the uncommons that have. In current sealed run, they have the game in hand win rate of around 70%, which is massive. But you have to think that the general win rate of the uh, 17 lands users in this sealed format is quite high. Um, and these are two auras, strangely, uh, two legendary auras uh, in Bolas Clutches, which basically for six mana steals a permanent from your opponent and makes it legendary, which sometimes actually can become uh, quite useful. Um, and on Sarah's Wings, uh, 
another legendary aura. Uh, this one enchants a creature and it be, uh, and is um, and it becomes legendary. Gets plus one plus one flying vigilance and lifelink. So basically makes a pretty decent impression of the uh, of the Lyra Thornbringer, uh, but on an uncommon uh, on an uncommon level. Um, we are going to get to Slimefoot uh, soon. Um, and you might be surprised actually in which section it will appear. Um, third one is Fight Fire with Fire. That's a red um, removal spell. For three mana, it deals five damage to target creature, but for additional six, so nine mana in total, including two red, um, it will deal 10 damage divided as you choose among any number of targets instead. And that means that the kicked version can target players and planeswalkers except for only creatures. And this card usually ends the game if you manage to kick it. And the format is slow enough that you sometimes will kick it, which means uh, that it can make amazing damage. You will very often have those games when you think that you stabilized, but you're at nine and you can't live in peace with being at nine because fight with fire is looming above you when the opponent has a couple of mountains on board. Okay, so let's look at the individual colors. I decided not to look at the archetypes because Mainly, we don't have enough uh, sample size to look at um, archetypes, um, win rates in sealed specifically. We can have those um, uh, those um, we can have those data from draft, but as I already told you, for example, blue red as an archetype exists in draft but doesn't exist in uh, sealed that frequently. So it will be hard to compare streamlined um, Adelis that decks um, uh, from draft with what you will open in your pools. Um, I always uh, arrange the cards uh, in the order of the win rate. So on the uh, left, you have cards with the highest win rate and on the right with the lowest win rate. Uh, and these are the top four commons and in the next slide, uncommons from each color. And in white, um, you have a mixture of removal and creatures. So the top common is Mesa Unicorn. It's two mana, uh, two, two lifelinker. We know from other sets that two mana, two, two life linkers are good, but especially in here in Dominaria, when two drops in general are relatively poor at the common level, the Mesa Unicorn is just a, a giant compared to the rest of the two drops. The two, two life linker will allow you to not only be aggressive early on, but also build up a cushion of some life if, um, uh, if your deck is a bit slower. So you can have this early drop that will stabilize you for the later game, which is a great combination. And the second most winningest um, uh, common is Blessed Light. It's a five mana exile target creature or enchantment um, uh, removal at instant speed. And, you know, five mana is quite a lot for modern standards of uh, limited, but in Dominaria is just about right. So it actually is a good card. Um, it has a high win rate and it will do exactly what you want. You want to have access to a couple of um, unconditional removals when you play sealed because in sealed people open six rares and um, uh, and, and multiple um, uh, and multiple um, uncommons as well, which can be quite powerful. So uh, being able to deal with that is very useful. And as Mercurio in the chat notices, uh, it's really great to be able to exile in bolus clutches um, uh, with it. And also uh, because it's an instant, uh, you can do a sneak um, uh, during attack uh, exile of uh, on Sarah's wings and uh, block the creature with something bigger that the opponent didn't expect and then uh, turn it into a nice two for one. So uh, multiple uses of that card. Um, number three on the list is called the Cavalry. That's a four mana sorcery. Create two, 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 two white knight creature tokens with vigilance. Turns out that uh, two, two, twos with vigilance for four mana is just what you need. Uh, there are a couple of uh, knight synergies uh, in the set. So um, uh, the type there is not completely irrelevant. Um, but in general, just two bodies um, uh, for four mana is, uh, is what you want to be doing with this card. And the last one is Gideon's Reproach. Um, that's a two mana deal four to target attacking or blocking creatures on instant speed, obviously. Um, and that's another like medium removal, but it's uh, just good enough. And I think that these four uh, commons are quite far away from the rest of the uh, uh, from the rest of the. Um, White, car, white commons, at least, uh, in, in the set. Just uh, double-checking it. So, uh, yeah, they have like 66 to 64% win rate. And then there is a drop with a Knight of New Benalia, the 2-mana 3-1 vanilla creature, 62.5, and Pegasus Corsair, uh, the, the Pegasus that can give flying to other attacking creatures when it attacks with them. Um, and that's around 62. So there's like 2 percentage point difference between 
between the four that I'm showing you and 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 the next uh, next card. When it comes to um, uncommons, uh, top one is on Sarah's wings, and um, I already mentioned it's a bomb. The win rate of that card is uh, uh, honestly uh, uh, quite quite uh, insane, seventy percent game and hand win rate. Um, so uh, yeah. Uh, definitely try to build around it if you have it. It's also more moderately easy to splash compared to, let's say, in, on, in Bolas Clutches, uh, because it only costs one white. Um, great card, just make sure that you don't get the blowout uh, by playing it into a removal that is um, active. So try to maybe wait for your opponent to tap out. Um, second card on the list, and that's you know markedly markedly weaker than um, uh, than uh, um, than on Sarah's Wings is. Dauntless Bodyguard, and that's around 66% win rate, so still pretty impressive. And it's a 2-1 to play on turn one, which is good. But later in the game, it's not a completely dead card because you play it and you choose to protect a, a very valuable card that you already control. So um, um, so it can act as an early aggressor um, in some games, and it can act as protector in... Wait, it asks itself. Sometimes he attacks, sometimes he protects. Um, so... Uh, Good, diverse creature, good for the early game, good for the late game. Um, we don't, unfortunately, have the data in, uh, uh, in the opening hand, but it's much better when you draw it earlier, it seems, from the data than, than when you draw it uh, later. But still, it's not useless when you draw it later, which is very often the case of 1-1-2-1. Um, number three on the list is the Danita Kapashen. Uh, Three mana, first strike, vigilance, lifelink, um, auras and equipment spells you cast cost one less to cast. Again, with Onsera's wings and other things like that, it's absolutely not a trinket text. Obviously, probably the worst target for um, uh, Onsera's wings because it basically gives it plus one, plus one and flying as it already has the other abilities uh, that it grants. Still, it's good to have it on the creature without having to risk playing an aura on it. Um, it's a very good early drop. The first strike is um, is very um, first strike is a very good ability in this format because there's not so many uh, creatures that can deal with it easily, or at least early. Uh, and you have some removal that or some combat tricks that can help you uh, push the damage through it with it. And number four is Knight of Grace. Uh, that's probably the best two drop on, in the format. It's a two mana uh, two two first striker with hexproof from black. And it gets plus one plus O oh, as long as any player controls a black permanent. So if you're playing a black and white deck and you have a black permanent on board, it will get three two uh, every time you have that kind of situation. And three two first striker for two mana, you can imagine, is great. And especially tricky situations when you play against the decks that are heavy on black. They cannot target it with their removal. So they have to be able to deal with the three two first striker. Uh, just by blocking, which can be pretty tricky for them. Um, which other cards? Which other cards are there mm, in um, in the uncommon bracket that I didn't mention? Uh, there is a slight indication that um, Sanctum Spirit may be good, and that's a three-two uh, life linker. And you can discard a historic card, and it gets indestructible and, until until end of turn. That's for four mana. Small sample size, but it has a decent win rate um, in that small sample size. So maybe you want a deck that is slightly tuned towards um, uh, playing uh, Sanctum Spirit. There's also Quende, Pride of Femref. Uh, that's a four mana, two to double striker, but it gives creatures with first strike you control uh, double strike. Uh, so if you have multiple first strikers, you might want to um, you might want to uh, try to play it. Okay, my God, it's another. We're having storms with lightning in November. That's a bit weird. Um, okay, common blue cards. Uh, I told you, this format is a bit aged in uh, uh, plain view. Yes, it is. You can go to 17 lands. You can um, you can choose Dominaria. You can choose Sealed. And then you can uh, do all kinds of sorting uh, in the card performance tab. So uh, all the data that you see here is available on 17 lands. It's not any of those secret data that no one has access to. Um, and most of those seals will be from the last couple of days because um, because there was a return of the Minaria seal, so people can practice bef uh, before uh, the open, but not many people did, so there's not much data. Uh, that's a caveat. Uh, luckily, most of this data aligns pretty well with the draft data. So if you were uh, wondering, quite a lot of those cards um, uh, are 
also top four cards in, in, in draft when you compare it. So I told you that this format is a bit aged, so it has cards that used to be powerful and limited, but probably no longer are. Um, and I think that five mana three four flyer is a card that fell out of grace in the last four years and is not as good. Now you want to have a four mana three three flyers. That that's that's where the money is in terms of the flyers, and not not even always that. But Cloud Reader Sphinx was a good card in in Dominaria, top common and one of the top commons in draft as well. Um, it also scries too, so that's probably two thirds of a card throw, um, uh, which uh, which adds to it. Um, Second common is Academy Journey Mage, and you might expect that it's not as good as um, not as good as in draft, but it's still pretty good because it's still the second best um, common uh, in the format. It's a four mana uh, mana war, but it is a three two, and it can cost one less if you control a wizard. Mind you that this reduction in cost comes if you control a wizard, not for each wizard you control. Otherwise, it will be busted. Um, but uh, yeah, it potentially can be a four mana three two that bounces a, a card, and that's still good enough. Um, Syncopite uh, is the third best blue common, and um, just a counter spell for unless an opponent pays X, and it also exiles that spell. Um, and Blink of an Eye, uh, a bounce spell that can uh, draw a card if you kick it, but then it costs four mana, uh, is closing up the gap. Don't sleep on the cards that bounce and draw a card uh, because these are format after format underappreciated by uh, 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 by drafters and 17 lens users are benefiting greatly from it because they play it much higher, much more high, higher than, um, uh, than the average arena user. And so should you because they always tend to be good. Um, when it comes to the uncommons, uh, oh wait, maybe before that I'll, I'll double check if there are any uh, any any special mentioned worth worth uh, worth talking about. There is one weird card in the top top uh, blue commons. It's Befuddle. Uh, it's an instant uh, target creature gets minus four minus oh until end of turn and draw a card. Uh, it has a very small sample size, but it has a very high win rate. So uh, uh, potentially worth thinking about if you are short on playables. Uh, and you're playing a more controlling deck than the acro. And another card that was just outside of the um, uh, top four was uh, Divination, three mana draw two. You should always play it in this format. It's a good card in this format and um, uh, don't sleep on that. Uh, it just didn't make the top four, but it was, I think, 0.1% behind Blink of an Eye in terms of the win rate, so really close. And it, I think it's one of those cards that is actually stronger in sealed than it is in draft. And when it comes to the uh, uncommons, small sample sizes, because not so much blue was played um, uh, as, as white. Uh, so keep that in mind that those sample sizes are petite. But Involus Clutches is head and shoulders above everything. 70% um, win rate, very much like uh, on Sarah's Wings. Um, is it 70? Yeah, 70.3 to be precise. Uh, then we have two cards that have slightly smaller sample sizes, but probably are worth thinking about. Uh, Wizard's Retort, another counter spell. Um, so counter spells seem to be good in sealed in this format. Uh, uh, so use them if you can. Uh, both Syncopate and Wizard Retort. And Tetsuko Omezawa, uh, uh, two mana, one, three creatures you control with power or toughness one or less can't be blocked. Uh, so itself, it is a 1-3 unblockable creature, and it will give unblockability to all your 1-Xs and X-1s. Um, and lastly, Time of Ice, a saga. Keep in mind, uh, Dominaria was the place where sagas were born. Um, uh, first two chapters are tap creature uh, an opponent controls, and it doesn't untap during uh, its controller's untap step, as long as it controls the Time of Ice. And then um, at uh, chapter three, return all those tapped creatures to their owner's hands um, and forcing them to replay. That It's a back-breaking tempo play uh, that sets the opponent back for a long time. You either manage to survive because you play it by tapping up their biggest threats and then uh, forcing the opponent to replay them, uh, or you can use it to push your damage through by uh, removing some blockers from the equation and, and, and clearing the path for your creatures. Okay, black. The top common in black, according to the win rate, is Fungal Infection. That's a one mana uh, instant. The target creature gets minus one, minus one. Until end of turn, create a one, one green sapling creature token. It's really a great way of dealing with a two drop um, um, for one mana. 
late game you will manage you will force um, uh, trades or, or or win combats using that uh, so it's like sort of semi removal spell and also you end up with this one one green suffering creature token that has some synergies with other cards in, in green and and, and black um, oh, it's awful outside but okay um, and that one has 62.8% uh, win rate, so not, not terrible for a common at all. Uh, second place is Eviscerate, that's a 4-mana sorcery, just says destroy target creature for 4. It's it's just good. If the 5-mana white one at instant speed was uh, good, this one is probably comparable. Um, it doesn't exile, but costs one less. It doesn't deal with enchantments, but costs one less. It's not an instant, but it costs one less. One less is always um, a, a good value. So uh, play any any number of copies of that if you play black. Um, there is one creature, Talid Omnivore. That's a three, four mana, three, three. You can sacrifice a creature for one mana. It gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. And if you sacrifice a sapling this way, uh, you also gain two life. So that's like a late game threat. If you're going slightly wider, there are several spells that will create multiple sapperlings. Uh, which allows you to not only present lethal multiple times, but also um, have a nice uh, life cushion when you play it. It's clearly the best common creature, uh, best black common creature, and around 60% win rate. And the last card is Vicious Offering, and that's um, two mana. A target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. But if you kick it by sacrificing a creature, uh, that creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn instead. And that uh, is also very well synergizing with the token makers for two mana you can deal with a with a with a, with a sizable threats i mean when we looked at the um, at the bombs that you uh, have in this format it dealt with multiple of them just for two mana if you have a couple of the for example one one supper links from fungal infection that you played before so yeah uh, are there any cards worth mentioning in there there is caligo skin witch that's a two mana for a vanilla one three or you can kick it and then you pay six mana including two black and then when it enters the battlefield if it was kicked each opponent discards two cards and this format is slow enough that um, the six mana uh, one three that discards two cards will be uh, will be useful uh, and on multiple occasions and uh, so it's 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 not a waste of a card at all you should be able to play it and it has uh, good stats at 59.8% win rate, uh, it's not far from Vicious Offering in terms of its win rate. So don't sleep on the on the Caligo Witch, uh, play it. Uh, in terms of uncommons, um, the top uncommon is Eldest Reborn, another saga. It is markedly lower than uh, Bolas's Clutches and um, On Sarah's Wings. Uh, still pretty good though. Uh, the first chapter, each opponent sacrifices a creature. You can you know play it around uh, in such a way that you actually snag a really good um, uh, target from it. Uh, then each opponent discards a card. Again, in this format, late discard can hit something really useful if they don't uh, play around it. And sometimes by playing around it, they will also lose tempo because they will keep something in their hand because they want to protect their bomb. Um, and uh, third chapter is you put target creature or planeswalker card from a graveyard onto the battlefield. And that means that you can also get the thing that, for example, your opponent had to sacrifice from uh, from the first chapter if you don't have anything yourself. Um, then we have cast down, destroy target non-legendary creature at instant for two, really good removal, doesn't deal with everything, quite easy. Settle the score, four mana sorcery, exile target creature, put two loyalty counters on the planeswalker you control. I mean, if you put loyalty counters on a planeswalker you control, you're probably in a good situation because planeswalkers in this format are quite good. Um, but even without the putting uh, the loyalty counters, it's just a solid removal, uh, although a bit heavy on the black as it costs two black uh, to cast, but enough to be in the top four of the uncommons. Um, and the last uh, is the black equivalent of the Knight of uh, Grace, the Knight of Malice. Two mana, first strike, hex from white, and it gets plus one, plus oh, as long as the player controls a white permanent. Perfectly, you start uh, your uh, black and white deck you play one of them on turn two and the other one on turn three and swing for three with first strike and few people will come back from that kind of an opening. Um, are there any other interesting um, uncommons with high win rates? Not really, not really. There is Whisper, uh, four mana two, two. You can sacrifice two creature and return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, there is Urugos, the empty one, six mana, four, three flyer. 
when it deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card at random. If that player count, you draw a card. But these are much lower uh, on the on the win rate scale uh, and also have smaller sample sizes. So uh, not as good as the top four. Top four is markedly better than anything else. Okay, red, as I mentioned, is the weakest color and you see it instantly in the um, in the win rate. So Shivan Fire is probably the best common that there is in, in red. It has roughly 60% win rate. Um, the other three are at around 58. So um, it's 59 and a half roughly for, uh, for the Shivan Fire and 58 roughly for the other three. Um, also much, much, much smaller size sample sizes for the other three. And we have, um, well, Shivan Fire is just a removal. It's a shock that you can kick um, uh, to make a deal for. Uh, Keldon Overseer, uh, three mana, uh, three one with haste, but you can kick it and when you do, uh, you also uh, uh, steal a creature for a turn. Um, so uh, can be a very good card in, as a sort of top end in, in, in an aggressive deck. Uh, there's Ranamok, that's a two mana a target attacking creature, gets plus three, plus three and trample until end of turn. Uh, combat trick, sometimes you will open a deck where you don't have bombs. You don't have a coherent to color deck, and maybe you will have a couple of random mocks. You can think about making an aggro of some sorts because random mocks push quite a lot of damage, and uh, you can go under those uh, bomb laden decks. But um, you know, it's a risky strategy. You really need to have nothing else to do to 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 in desperation reach for that kind of uh, strategy. And G two Journey Mage is sort of in the same gist. It's a three mana three two. When it enters the battlefield, if you control another wizard, it deals two damage to each opponent. So uh, you probably want to play it again in the, uh, one of those decks together with Ranamok, some other wizards, if your pool allows you to play that kind of um, that kind of deck. And just to show you how bad uh, Ren is in the sealed format, there was not even four uncommons that have enough data um, to give them a, a, a win rate. However, these three are actually pretty good. Fight with Fire is approaching 70% win rate. Um, uh, so it's really strong. Oh, wait, is it? No, it's only approaching 59% win rate. Blah. So approaching 60% win rate. Not, not impressive at all. Um, it is, has an insanely higher win rate in, um, in, in draft than in sealed. Uh, and Goblin Barrage and Wizard Lightning, all of them are removal spells. All of them are easily splashable. So think about them uh, more in that aspect. I would still semi-hard avoid uh, playing red. Um, but yeah, all of them solid removal spells, and that's all that can be said. But if you look at it, when we go back through uh, all the colors, uh, two, two removals in white, uh, blue, well, doesn't have removal, it has uh, bolus clutches, but the black has uh, Fungal Infection, Eviscerate, Vicious Offering, Eldest Reborn, Cast Down, and Settle Discord, so sort of six removal in the top eight commons. Um, here we have Shivan Fire and three uncommon ones, so four uh, in out of seven cards in, in red. This format really, you need to value removal. Uh, it has much higher win rate than uh, anything else. Um, green is a different animal altogether. The one common that is head and shoulders above everything else, Yavimaya Sapherd. That's a three mana, two, two. When it enters the battlefield, you create a one, one. So very much like the uh, Argivian uh, cavalry from uh, Dominaria United, a two, two that brings up a one, one. This one doesn't have any additional abilities, but it's still good enough to make it the best uh, green common by quite far. Um, Grow from Ashes is a card that is not good in uh, Dominaria draft, but it has actually, um, actually a very good win rate in, in sealed because it's one of the few cards that allow you to uh, splash colors. Um, it's a three mana, search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield. Uh, and with the kicker, you can do it for two lands. So for five mana, you ramp into seven mana, uh, which can be can be useful in some, some situations. Uh, but yeah, Grow From Ashes allows you to fix and ramp. Uh, and that's, I guess, what green wants to be doing in, in this format in general. Um, so for example, you have Ballad Gorger, Four mana, four, four, but if you kick it for eight, uh, it becomes a seven, seven. It's a big and dumb seven, seven, but that might be just enough uh, for you to win the game. Also something to ramp is Suffering Migration. It's a two mana, create two one ones, but if you kick, you make four of those tokens. So for six mana, you can make uh, four one ones, um, which will synergize with some, 
some other cards in the set that uh, either boost the saplings or let you sacrifice saplings or um, give plus one plus one to all the creatures that you control. Uh, so yeah, worth um, worth playing. Th these four are, if I remember correctly, are uh, quite far away from uh, any other common in, in in this color. Oh no, actually there is there 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 is one common that is uh, actually has a high win rate but very small sample size. That's why I. Uh, skipped it. It's Gift of Growth. Uh, two mana tar target creature untaps and gets plus two plus two until end of turn. And if it was kicked for two, so for four mana, it becomes a four plus four plus four. Uh, so the untap uh, sort of ambush uh, combat trick um, uh, with a small sample size, but um, uh, but a high win rate from that small sample size. And uh, in terms of uncommons, again, we see the same theme. Uh, again, we see relatively small sample sizes, uh, but we see things that you want to um, ramp into. In Groon, the Lonely King, six mana, five, five, that uh, if attacks alone doubles its power and also can be kicked for three extra uh, to make it a 10, 10. So basically, if it attacks alone, it can swing for direct lethal. A big dumb beast, but again, this format, if your opponents don't have removal, can win with those big dumb beasts. Um, Untamed Kavu, this is a versatile card. Um, it's a two mana two two uh, with Vigilance and Trample. But if you kick it for three extra mana, so for five mana it becomes a five five with Vigilance and Trample, which is just great. So uh, you definitely want to play any number of those because good early, good late. Um, um, and they are slightly one level above the big dumb beasts. Uh, Thorn Elemental, 7 mana, 7, 7, and it can deal damage um, as though it weren't blocked. So basically, unblockable source of at least 7 damage if they don't manage to kill it, and uh, even more. So this can be a three-turn clock if your opponent um, doesn't have a way of dealing with it. And dealing with it requires either a spell or multiple blocking. So uh, if they don't have a removal, that's going to be a 2 for one or a 3 for one um, Yeah. And last one is Song of Freyalize, another saga. Um, Interesting ability in the first chapters um, uh, that until your next turn creatures you control gain tap at any at one mana of any color to your mana pool. And if you go wide, this can be backbreaking when you play it on turn four or something and you have already like four saprolinks. You play it on turn four. Those saprolinks can then start casting creatures. Um, uh, the creatures also will be able to cast new creatures. Next turn, it also fixes your mana. And at the end of chapter three, all your creatures get a plus one, plus one counter and gain Vigilance, Trample and Indestructible until end of turn. So you can actually mini overrun, swing, scot free because nothing will die in that attack from your side. Um, and the Trample will probably take care of some damage and will force opponent to trade. This is very sim similar to the Weather Seed Treaty uh, from the current set as it, it only probably promotes going wide a bit more than the Weather Seed Treaty did. Okay. Um, okay, before I go on honorable mentions, I will look if there are any other green um, uncommons that maybe are worth mentioning. Fungal Plots, that's the one that has actually the highest win rate of all the green uncommons, but has a very small sample size, so I didn't I didn't talk about it. But it's an enchantment. At two mana, you can exile a creature card from your graveyard, create a 1-1 one -one sapling creature token. You can sacrifice two saplings, and you gain two life and draw a card. So um, a sort of engine uh, for the late game decks. Um, there is actually quite quite wide variety of green uncommons that do something. There is also wide onslaught. Put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control, and if you kick it, it's, you put two instead. Um, there's an Elfheim Druid, a uh, uh, mana dork for two mana, but that can give you two mana to spend on kicked spells, and you have a couple of those kicked spells kicker spells that you might want to ramp into. Uh, Spore Swarm uh, for four mana, create three one one sapperlings at instant speed. All these cards are decent. One worth mentioning maybe is a Spore, spore Crown Talit, uh, the sort of fungus lord. Uh, it gives funguses and sapperlings plus one plus one and, um, uh, when it's in play, and it's a two mana two to itself. In some decks, when you have enough synergy, that's going to be a great card. In some decks where you have not enough synergy, it's going to be way too frequently a 2-mana, two 2-2 two vanilla, which is something you don't want to play. So you have to think about when to put it uh, in your deck. Preferably when you have those uh, uh, spore swarms, when you have the um, uh, when you have the when you have the sapling migration, then you also want to play your uh, um, talent. Or when you have multiple Yavimaya subherds, for example. 
Um, and that's the end of the cards, uh, colored cards, but there are a couple of honorable mentions that are not in any color. And number one of them is Skittering Surveyor. I don't know, I mean, if you didn't play Dominaria, this card might seem like not so great, but it was great in that format. It's a three mana artifact creature, a one, two, when it enters the battlefield, you search your library for a basic card. Uh, it allows you to fix your colors. It allows you to draw lands if you're playing more expensive spells. And the body will probably chump something uh, at some stage. It also stops the saprolings from uh, swarming over you by 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 killing them one by one um, if they if your opponent chooses to attack you with it. So a card definitely worth playing. 62.8% win rate. Icy manipulator, similar win rate as skittering surveyor. Uh, four mana artifact for one mana I can tap target artifact creature or land. Uh, so it's basically one mana tapper that is hard to get rid of, um, but also can tap uh, lands if you want to switch off a particular card that you're afraid in game three. Um, you can do it with Icy Manipulator. Um, and Memorial to Genius. Uh, Dominaria doesn't have a cycle of um, common uh, two color lands. Instead of that, they have cycle of single colored uh, uh, utility lands, uh, memorials, all of them. Uh, they enter the battlefield tapped, and they give mana of their color, and they have an ability for some mana in sacrificing it. And a memorial to genius has an ability to pay five, sacrifice it, and draw two cards. This card has a very high win rate, I think 66% or something. Um, and you should play it every time you play blue, basically, because in the late game, this is the thing that will push you through the line uh, when you attrition your opponent in some kind of a blue-black deck. Uh, you kill all their stuff, you sacrifice Memorial to Genius, you draw some uh, spells, you, you draw some spells, and that will let you to win the game. Okay, now a couple of traps. Um, number one, Soul Salvage. It looks like this is going to be the card for that kind of um, format because it's slow. Um, but turns out it has a very bad win rate. Um, so I would, I'm not going to say that you shouldn't put it in your deck. I'm just going to say that you should think carefully whether you want to put it in your deck or not. I think that is because very often you will just get poor targets from it um, uh, because your graveyard will be filled with stuff that is just not uh, that impactful. And it's got a very, very bad win rate when you have it in your opening hand because you basically start with it quasi-mulligan uh, in the speeds that this format operates with. Um, second card, Ancient Animus. Um, that's a two-mana instant and target creature fight. Um, um, if it's a legendary, it gets plus one, plus one on top of that. Um, just doesn't do as much as you probably would want it to do. Um, it's too expensive for the effect it does. Um, and not always you will be able to get that plus one plus one bonus. So compare it with the tail swipe in Dominaria United that uh, you can play it on any creature for one mana. And if you play it in your main step, uh, that creature gets plus one plus one. You can always find a situation when you get an extra bonus from um, uh, plus one plus one. And because of that, that card is great. This one, because of the occasional uh, character of the plus one plus one bonus, uh, makes it much worse. Unless you play like, you know, five, six legends, then, then the card will become good. Um, and Semi's Trap and Slimefoot the Stowaway. I know that lots of people are uh, crazy about this card. It already appeared in the chat, uh, but it actually has pretty poor numbers in, um, in uh, 17 lands uh, sealed uh, data. So when I look at the uncommon, um, uncommon cards, uh, all the other uncommons that have some data are, well, going between 69 and 62% win rate, a game in hand win rate. And Slimefoot the Stowaway has only 57.1. Um, I don't think that just uh, making the 1-1 one -one is, is impactful enough um, uh, for, for mana. And there is not enough of additional um, um, sapling synergies to, to play it in any deck. I think that there will be deck where it's going to be excellent, but I think that people put it in decks where it's not excellent because without the additional um, uh, sapling synergies, it's not that good. So um, these are sort of semi-traps, I would say. Unfortunately, we don't have big enough uh, sample sizes to look at maybe more niche cards that people play uh, as traps, but uh, these are the three that stroke me, I should mention, uh, in, uh, in, in this segment. Okay, let's go to, um, to trophy decks. I, I, I picked a couple of trophy decks just to show you how they look like. Um, I picked a couple of two-color ones. I picked a couple of multicolor ones, uh, and these were all from the last week. Uh, trophies. And you can see this is a blue-white deck. 
it does have uh, not really bombs. It has some solid creatures, but it has an alternative plan that is available to blue decks in this format, and that is Cold Water Snapper, the six mana four five hexproof creature, and Arcane Flight, the one mana enchantment that gives plus one plus one and flying to a creature. Um, with the five six um, hexproof flyer, you are going to win quite some few games. So um, this is a small package that you might think about. Uh, on top of that, it has a couple of good two drops in Knights of New Benalia and Mesa Unicorn, uh, two Blink of an Eyes for um, uh, for some uh, oh, for some um, tempo play, Sergeant at Arms that can generate additional creatures. It even has Dub, which is not such a great card, but it worked in this particular version. Juggernaut, um, with a couple of ways of giving it first strike, uh, might not be bad. I think that's why the dub and jousting lens are in the deck. And Sarah Angel, um, uh, another way of finishing the games. But you can see, not many, um, not not any, no 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 any. It doesn't have any bombs, but still it managed to go seven zero. I think um, uh, easily. It doesn't even have that great removal. It has Blood Tallow Candle, which is an artifact that uh, you can sacrifice for an atrocious amount of mana to give minus five, minus five to something. Um, and it has a couple of blinks uh, uh, and time of ice, but not really anything that you can deal with. It has deep freeze, but it doesn't have like a super good removal package. It doesn't have a super good early game uh, uh, creature package. It probably just survives long enough to play the snapper and and, and, and finish the games like that. And Lance and the uh, Cold Snapper is also an atrocious combination because it becomes a 6-5 first striker with Hexproof. So yeah, um, hard to deal with that. Okay, the second deck um, is White-Black. This one, three Sarah Angels, must be nice. On top of that, it's, it has a couple of bombs. Benalish Marshall, which is a bomb that is hard to cast. It costs three white, but still gives plus one, plus one to all your creatures and is a 3-3 three, three on its own. And history of Benalia, which makes a couple of the uh, two two uh, knights, and uh, um, gives all the knights plus two plus one until the turn and the third chapter. Um, unanswered, this can create uh, uh, awful scenarios for the opponent. Also has two knights, uh, the knight of grace and knight of malice, two Mesa unicorns, two adamant wills. So this deck will be super good in uh, uh, starting of the blocks very uh, aggressively with really good two drops. Uh, you you can't dream of a better two drop package has a couple of vicious offering that, uh, that that can remove the blockers and 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 push you through and if you get to the late game it can finish off with those three sarah angels uh, quite easily um i don't know maybe it maybe even has not enough planes maybe it could have played one more planes in in, in this package because currently it's at 10 7 maybe maybe 11 6 would be even playable um if you want to play the banalish marshal but Nonetheless, the deck trophied. I think Adamant Will in this particular deck is going to be really good. Uh, putting this extra uh, plus one, plus two on the Knight of Grace or Knight of Malice is uh, phenomenal. And this is something that you probably won't, would be happy to open. Um, just to show you that you can also trophy with red, there is a white-red deck, pretty strange. This is a deck that clearly was uh, carried by a couple of really strong bombs. It has some okay two drops. It has a Mesa Unicorn Knight of New Benalia. It has the Shivan Fire as a as a removal seal away, um, which is not such a great removal in an aggressive deck, but clearly it worked for the uh, for the person that was uh, operating this deck. Two Pegasus Coursers that allow you to, uh, your two drops to uh, attack with flying later in the game. Um, uh, Wizard's Lightning as another removal, but then at the top of the um, at the top of the mana curve, it has Shalai, Voice of Plenty, Varig's Blade Wing, Helm of the Host, on Sarah's Wings. And these four cards probably just carried this deck um, uh, quite well because all of them are super powerful. <coughs> Interesting tech in Fall of the Thrun, which is an Armageddon for six mana, but those lands start coming back on chapters two and four. But maybe this deck could build enough uh, advantage to uh, Armageddon and, 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 and push through some damage before the uh, opponent rebuilds. Um, okay, um, just to show you that everything is possible, I also found a red-green deck that trophied. Um, but again, we see Varric's Blade Wing uh, uh, as, as, as a card in that particular deck. It also has three Spore Swarms, uh, two Sapperling Migrations, and Song of Freya Lies um, on top of that, um, and uh, Yamivaya Shepherd. 
Um, this deck would probably love the, uh, the, the Fungus Lord, uh, but it didn't get one. Still, it managed to trophy. It has Steel Leaf Champion, the three mana 5-4, that can't be blocked with, by creatures uh, with uh, power two or less. Um, has a bunch of cards that you can uh, kick late in the game, uh, in Balath Gorger, in, um, uh, in Verix, uh, and, um, and in uh, Suffering Migrations, so it, and, and Untamed Kavu. Um, so it does have um, ability to uh, stay longer and uh, get those cards that can be cheap also into some late game level. I think Song of Freya Lies is great in this deck. Um, if you play several Suppling Migrations, uh, then you can cast another Suppling Migration using your Suppling's that, that, that can tap for mana now. Uh, it has Fungal Plots um, as another way of creating those Suppling's and, and, and hopefully it can win just by going super wide and... and uh, um, and dealing enough damage through that uh, last chapter of Song of Freya Lies. And if not, you still have Verix Bladewing uh, that can finish the game quite easily. So you can you can trophy with a red-green deck. So even, even if you um, are sad that you didn't open the magnificent pool of uh, Asper cards, you can still manage to get your seven Ws. Um, and here we have a deck that has a bit of everything. It's basically a white-green aggro. Um, again, with the Dauntless Bodyguard, two Benalish Honor Guards, some Llanowar Elves, Shana, Sisei's Legacy, uh, that's a go white sort of legend, um, Song of Freya Lies, and then uh, it starts becoming a bit weirder. It just splashes one Eviscerate, it splashes a couple of legendary creatures like Rough Compassion and Arvad the Cursed. Uh, it has Weatherlight on top of everything, uh, another splashed legend. Um, so um, that person uh, definitely went for it. And it spl the splashes are of three basic lands, one of each color of the splashed things, uh, Skittering Surveyor, um, and what else is there? There's the Song of Freya Lies that, uh, that can give you mana of any color, and that's basically it. So not much of the tools to get... Oh, no, sorry, there's the uh, Llanowar Envoy, I think, uh, can fix mana. So, yeah, that's expensive fixing, as Mercurio says. But the deck made it probably, you know, like a good combination of having an early game and then having late game with the with the couple of bombs that they had uh, was just enough, and um, it worked. So it can it can be done. I think that Shana Sisi's Legacy is a particularly strong card in that seal format. It it had really good numbers uh, in terms of the win rate, even if uh, the sample size was on the smaller side. But I think it had sixty eight percent win rate or something. Um, and when you think about it, it is sort of two-color pile because one red card, two black cards, and one blue card. So um, most of it is actually white-green uh, straightforward. There are some functionalities added through, um, uh, uh, through splashing. Uh, this is a mm, much sweeter uh, three-color, four-color deck. Um, two Caligo Witches, Knight of Malice, Suppling migration and fungal plots for the uh, uh, for the early game, four eviscerates because why wouldn't you? Uh, two spore swarms and then slimefoot of the uh, slimefoot the stowaway is great in that deck because you have fungal plots, suppling migrations, spore swarms. Then it becomes an engine. It has great fixing in two grow from the ashes, uh, so that's that's enough to to splash your uh, to to get your splashed lands. It has a couple of bombs in Shalai, Voice of Plenty, Territorial Allosaurus, Time of Ice to buy you time, Academy Journey Mages to buy you time, and in Bolas Clutches as another of those uncommon bombs. Now this is like this is a kind of a deck that uh, oh, and the Skittering Surveyor for splashing, of course. Um, this is the kind of a pool that I uh, I, I honestly wish you to open uh, in the open, open in the open. There we go. Uh, it looks sweet, uh, even though it's three colors, it of uh, four colors actually with Shalai. Um, it's, I think, easily playable, um, and uh, yeah, it looks it looks absolutely uh, powerful, and it can deal with all the bombs from the opponent because eviscerates are there to protect you, so um, you should be all good. Yeah, this would be a pretty good draft deck, and this is a sealed deck, so there you go. And you know, Territory Allosaurus and Shalai are one of the better bombs in the format. They didn't make into my top six, but they are not far off, and Bolas Clutches is, of course, very powerful. And here, Slimefoot, the stowaway, gets really the boost of all the synergies. You will win with the late game decks by, by keeping the Caligo Skin Witch, which you can actually ramp into very early. So you can 
uh, probably play it on turn five. Uh, and yeah, um, looks sweet. That was the last one that I had selected from my trophy decks. And all I can do, uh, do right now is just uh, wish you all the best of luck in the open on the weekend. And before I go, um, I would like to thank 17 Lands because they work tirelessly uh, to give us, the players, the data um, and uh, let us, you know, get a more informed way of uh, analyzing how draft works. Um, so thanks to Viral Misnomer and ZTM who are working uh, most actively right now. Also, thanks to Fake Jake Brown, who is helping me with releasing the podcast. By the way, I, I, I dumped like two episodes into the podcast in the last couple of days because I was a bit busy with work and uh, neglected um, giving you your weekly portion of the uh, magic numbers. But hopefully the, the worst is behind me and I can uh, start preparing for uh, Brothers War. Um, I would like to thank mtgazone.com for, um, for sponsoring me. By the way, next week uh, we are going to have, uh, if you like my content, then you're going to have my content because on Monday I'm going to have uh, Florida Man to visit me for the Dominaria United goodbye show. And always as a goodbye show, I look at individual data from a person. So I'm going to look at uh, Florida Man's data and how uh, he was uh, dealing with Dominaria United. We're going to look at all his the, the cards that he drafted the most, which cards had the highest win rate when he played them, which cards he played too often because they didn't have a high win rate, but he still man, uh, tried to play them and stuff like that. And on Tuesday, swap to Brothers War, and we're going to have the draft archetypes, um, uh, the skeleton, this, this draft, the dr draft skeleton decks uh, with me, uh, Sander Kirstens, uh, uh, Jason ILTG, and the Jordan. So uh, Stellar Cast and me, uh, we're going to stream uh, our first impression of the format before we actually get to play it. So you're cordially invited to see those. Also, I'd like to thank Esescu and Mana Junkie who are making the music for the podcast version of this uh, stream. And with that, I'll see you next week. 